Richard Haas, hello from Sydney. I loved your thought-provoking foreign affairs article on the age of America first. I loved reading it. I didn't agree with everything in it. But why don't you give our listeners a precy of your argument and maybe how it applies to the Ukraine situation, for example? Basic thrust of the article is that there was less difference between the Trump and Biden administrations than perhaps met the eye, and that there's been a trend in American foreign policy in the aftermath of the George W. Bush presidency, essentially Obama through Trump and Biden, that tweets aside and style aside and some others, there's been an American uh, turning inward, uh, less interest in particular in the in the Middle East and military intervention more uh, broadly, a uh, tougher line towards China, uh, less interest in uh, participation, what we used to call uh, free trade. What's interesting about the current crisis between Russia and Ukraine, though, is there there is a little bit more of a difference, uh, certainly between Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden, perhaps less between the two administrations, since the Trump administration was tougher on Russia than Mr. Biden was. But clearly you have with uh, the Biden administration an across the board effort to work closely with, with allies, although uh, still not to get directly involved in the sense of dispatching American military forces to Ukraine. What you have instead is a, a policy that calls for strengthening Ukraine to increase the cost of any Russian military intervention, economic sanctions that would penalize the Russians, a strengthening of NATO that would be a strategic setback for the Russians. And I think all of that's been good. Also efforts to get some energy to Europe. And this is a, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is a crisis largely um, manufactured by Mr. Putin. So the real question now is what Mr. Putin decides to do. And I think the Biden administration has done pretty much uh, as much as it can to influence his decision making. They've offered him a so-called diplomatic off-ramp. And the real question is, given uh, what he's done to date, is anything the United States and Europe could agree to, could that be enough for Mr. Putin to essentially say, okay, I'm satisfied, I don't need to use military force? So there's a lot in there. I, I agreed with your article where you talk about America squandering a lot of the opportunity in the post-Cold War period, and there was underachievement in a number of the administrations and also extreme changeability um, between, for example, the, the, the Obama administration, the, the, the Bush the George W. Bush administration, Obama, then Trump. I also think your argument is very strong on the international economics and, and trade issue, where I think um, Mr. Trump's presidency has permanently shifted the Washington consensus even further away from free trade. But I guess on something like alliances, I see quite a clear bright line between the two administrations, between the two presidents, where um, Mr. Trump was an thought alliance, allies were scroungers, whereas Mr. Biden is an alliance believer, where Mr. Trump enjoyed the, the company of autocrats and strongmen, whereas Mr. Biden prioritises the relations with democracies. And I certainly see that in Ukraine, as you alluded to there, where I th I'm sure Mr. Trump would have taken, I'm sure he would have shrugged personally, um, at what Mr. Putin is is doing and sort of thought, well, that's what that's what strong men do. But I also see it in my neck of the woods, Richard, where the Biden administration, for example, in deciding to share the crown jewels of American uh, nuclear submarine propulsion and intensify its relationship with 
Australia and the United Kingdom has sent a strong message, at least to our part of the world, that, that, that Washington believes in allies. I know that in the transatlantic world, France and others took AUKUS in a different way, but from where we sit, where we sit, it came across as a statement of enduring commitment on the president's part to allies. I think that's uh, true, and I think it's a good deal. I would say that some of this had its roots in the previous administration with the so-called Quad, uh, also a fairly robust policy towards China. And I think that's good. Let me make it clear where there's elements of the previous administration and the current one where I think they essentially have it right. I'm actually relieved to see a degree of continuity and a, and a degree of of uh, bipartisanship. I think that's you know, in many ways all to, uh, all to the good. Let me ask you one final question because we're almost out of time. What about the person of the president? I mean, you wrote that, as, as to quote you, Richard, foreign policy begins at home. Obviously, in President Biden, you've got the, the president of the United States is a decent person. It was probably hard to say that for four years. It seems to me from where I sit, that makes quite a big deal in terms of how America is perceived. Um, what, what do you think? How important are the qualities and the caliber of the individual? I think it helps. And he is a decent person. I've known him for more than 40 years personally, since when he was uh, starting out as a senator and I was a young aide in the in the Senate. The problem is he has a lot of baggage, which is what is going on in this country, not simply January 6th, a year ago, the physical attacks on our capital, but the political and social divisions. And that's proven to be uh, a lot of baggage. So when people look at the United States, they don't necessarily focus on Joe Biden, the person. They focus on a society which many people around the world no longer find admirable or worth uh, emulating. 